Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. Today is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. This is edition number 22 of season 8 as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we come to chapter 4. We'll begin chapter 4 with chapter 4, paragraph 1. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Let's pray first and then we'll consider this opening paragraph in this chapter on the doctrine of creation. Let's pray. Father, as we come again to your word and we come to consider these very important truths as summarized in this historic document, we pray that you would teach us by your spirit, that you would show forth your favor and grace to us, minister to all of our needs. May your word be a light unto our path. May it not only teach us and form us, but may it also move us to live holy lives before you. Help us, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we have just completed chapter 3 in the doctrine of, on the issues of the decrees of God, and especially as it relates to God's electing work and, and, and redeeming a people to himself. Now we turn to this very short chapter, chapter 4. It has uh, two uh, paragraphs in it. It uh, highlights for us in summary fashion the work of creation that God himself has wrought. Now, what's very important to note in this chapter is that there's no hint or even reference to the idea of theistic evolution or any kind of evolutionary process uh, in any way, shape, or form. What we note in this entire chapter is that God immediately created by the word of his power, that he is the sole fountain of all being. And so as we read paragraph 1, we, uh, we note these very important truths. It pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost for the manifestation of the glory of His eternal power, wisdom, and goodness in the beginning to create or make of nothing the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days and all very good. Now what we note immediately in this opening paragraph is that all three members of the Godhead are involved in the creation of all things visible, that is to say, everything you can see, and then those things invisible, those things that you cannot see, the angels, all the different spectrum of light that we, our human eyes, cannot comprehend, cannot see, all of it, everything was created in a work of all three members of the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We know that Scripture makes it quite clear that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we also know that in that expression we have other expressions that link to that. And if we look at John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, the the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, this is speaking, of course, of the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the divine Logos, the Word. And when we read, and God said, there we have that aspect of which the second person is working. We see in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 that the Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters, over the face of the deep. And there we have a reference to the third person. Further into Genesis 1, we take note of the fact that God making man, let us make man in our image. 
So we have these references to the Godhead. We have these references to all three members working. Notice that he does this for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness. Now, this, of course, renders all men without excuse as to their knowledge and understanding that God does exist and they are accountable to Him. The Apostle Paul tells us so much in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. We know... We referenced this earlier in our study of the confession, but this is known as general revelation. And so as man sees the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons changing from winter to spring to summer to fall, and all the different aspects that go with this, they know there's a God. They know because they witness it, but they also have been made in His image, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And so they know they are without excuse to the fact that they are accountable to this God who has made all things. Man will suppress that information, undoubtedly, rebellious men due to sin. But the fact remains that he did this to manifest his glory, his power, wisdom, and goodness. And so he created or made out of nothing. That is to say that God used no substance, nothing whatsoever was employed by the God of heaven to make all things visible and invisible. Now, you and I, we make things, we might even say we create things in the not-so-specific definition of the word create. We get a piece of wood and we fashion some beautiful furniture out of it, whatever the case may be. Uh, But you used the substance. You used another substance and fashioned it in such a way that it became useful. And Okay, you followed a blueprint. Cars are built by engineers who draft all these things, these, these, these drawings and, and blueprints and all these matters so that, but they use substances all the way through the process. Nothing is just spoken into existence. It would be nice, wouldn't it, to just to be able to do that? Well, I, you know, I need a steak dinner and I just speak and there it is, but that's not how it works. There has to be a cow. There has to be a lot of things going on for, for that to happen. God did, he needed nothing. No substance, no material, no anything. He simply spoke. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, and God said, and God said. He needed nothing. He made all of it out of nothing. The world and all things visible and invisible. Now, how long did this take? This is, of course, the question of paragraph one. And, well, scholars debate this issue and continue to debate it. It seems quite clear that the Westminster divines, that is to say the men at the Westminster Assembly, when they said in the space of six days, they meant six days. And I mean six periods of time, they meant six days. A conventional understanding of what a day is. And evening and morning was the first day. Evening and morning was the second day. Notice it's not evening and morning was Monday and evening and morning was Tuesday. Evening and morning was the first day, evening and morning was the second day, and so forth and so on. Now, you might as well know, and many of you probably already do, that I do hold to a six-literal-day, 24-hour period view of creation. It is, in fact, the plain reading of Genesis 1. In my view and understanding of the Hebrew language, 
and the construction of the chapter, there is no room whatsoever for any of the other views. Now, I understand that people hold to them. Well-meaning Christians love the Lord, going to heaven. Some are ministers of the gospel. I happen to disagree with them. Uh, but the fact remains is that I remain convinced that Genesis 1 does not have any of the Hebraic markings of, a poet, of poetry, but instead it has the markings of historical narrative. And therefore, we are to interpret and see the opening chapter of the Bible as six literal days, six 24-hour period of time. Now, there's no question that in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, the people of Israel understood that too. They didn't have to be instructed and have some uh, theological guru come along and explain to them the meaning of the Hebrew word yom. They, they just knew instinctively, a day is a day, a day is a day. And so in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, there we read, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now he's, this comes as proof or supporting argumentation for why he is commanding the people of old to rest on the Sabbath day. They work on, they work six days a week, but they are to rest on the Sabbath, the seventh day in this case. In the New Testament, that shifts to the first day of the week, but the fact remains that they automatically knew, they understood what that meant. There, there wasn't an ex, any confusion on their part as to, well, maybe God meant 6,000 years and then I'll rest on the 7,000 year. No, there was no confusion whatsoever. They immediately understood exactly what God is getting at here. And I think because of the way God supports this command by offering these art, this argumentation, he is simply referencing creation. Of course he's referencing creation, and that's the way he did it then, and that's what he uses to convince the people here in the giving of the Ten Commandments. And so he did this in the space of six days. And notice, it is good. It's all good. God saw that all that he had made, and he, he called it good. It wasn't until sin came in the world that it got wrecked and ruined at our own hands. But what God did was good. And all that God does do is good. And so we take notice of that, even in Genesis chapter 1, at the very end of the chapter, we see, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning was the sixth day. And so this is the opening paragraph of a discussion of the matters of how everything got here in the first place. All things visible, invisible, it came at the hand of the Lord by the word of his power. It came as he spoke it into existence with no need of any material goods, any other substance, anything. He simply said, and it became. And as we think about this just devotionally, we recognize the mighty power of our God who is able to do anything. There is no barrier to Him. There is nothing impossible to Him. He who created the vastness of the universe, of which we know so little about, is able to help you in whatever need you may have, whatever struggle, whatever concern. There's nothing too hard for Him. He can accomplish 
all that is needful, all that is necessary, all that is agreeable to his holy will in your life. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until Wednesday, when we look at paragraph two, may the Lord help you today. May you strive to do his holy will. May you walk in his ways. God bless.